All right, here we are. We're in Philadelphia. Buster uh, being joined in the iHeartRadio studio at Q102. The one and only NF. What's up, man? Welcome to Philly. Hey, man. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. You have a show tonight in Philly. You've been here before, right? I believe so, but I'm terrible <laughs> remembering. There's so much stuff in Philly. I never know where I'm at. <laughs> I, and I also, I barely ever leave the venue, so I that's was gonna, part of the reason as well. Yeah, so. I, was, I, was, I was wondering, like, when you go into a city, you know, and you have a show, do yeah. you get any sort of time to kind of run around Philly and get a cheesesteak or see, you know, what Philly's um, about? Or is it like, listen, man, I get off the plane. I got to go to my show. I got stuff to do. I'm sitting here talking to a radio guy. I got to work. I got to work. Well, the good thing about uh, touring is, for me, I'm just on a bus. And so that's nice because you at least have, like, your place every night that you're sleeping or whatever, you know. How many people are on this bus? Um, I have two buses. So I have a crew bus, and then I have some of my... Uh, my tour manager and people that sleep on the other bus with me as well. Okay, and so then, it's not too packed. No, not not anymore. It's nice. I think my, not this tour, the tour before was the first time I ever had two buses. So it was definitely a great change just because it does get tough. Once we were like, I think every single bunk was full on the tour before that. And so it was just like, man. You got all the guys who are That's a working lot. their butts just, off all day, and yeah. then I'm doing my thing all day with interviews and the show, and so. Um, but no, my my crew's amazing, but it was nice for us to. I'm sure it's nice for them as well, you know. Well, it's got to get frustrating too. Like I used to live in a 700 square foot apartment in New York with a buddy who was like my best friend. Yeah. And a couple months into it, I wanted to kill him because I just couldn't take it because yeah. you're just jammed in these tight corridors with your friends. Does that ever get it to where it's like, man, can you just not be here? I think, um, I don't know, usually, I think everyone can get that way on tour. It's a lifestyle that isn't very, like, I, I think unless you experience it, it's hard to explain. It's kind of like what you're saying, probably, but, like, a small, you literally have, like, a bus where there's 12 people or whatever the number Ugh. is sleeping on this bus, um, so... But honestly, it hasn't ever really gotten like. Of course, there's heated moments here and there, but not not like usually. Anything okay. Big. Well, you're on the beginning end of this this tour. Is has it been going smooth so far? Anything crazy? Anything different from the last couple tours tours already? Honestly, just seeing how much bigger everything has gotten has been like awesome, like encouraging. I guess for me, like this first week of this tour. Um, I just did a show in Detroit and it was like 6,600 people or whatever. And it was like the biggest headline show I'd ever done. I've done bigger shows with other artists, but it was like, it was cool for me. Cause it was like the first show where, um, you know, all those people had come to see me. And so it was awesome. Just looking out. Um, Columbus was amazing. It was like 5,500 people there and just like selling out some of these venues. So um, I would just say that's been really encouraging and awesome. Just because coming into this album off of um, Perception, it was pretty nerve-wracking. It's always like I always get nervous dropping a new record just because it's like my life. And, you know, I'm talking about personal yeah, things. Yeah, your content's and, very personal. Yeah, and I never know how it's going to be, like, received. And then just having the success of, like, the last album was really, I think, like, the first time I felt like people were really what is this? Who's this artist? Like I had a song, my first time having a song on radio mm -hmm. and then that song was successful and just feeling like, Oh, am I ever going to be able to make something like that again? Um, which I think a lot of artists go through that. Um, but for me it was just 
I've always spent so much time and worked so hard on making my albums the best that I can. So coming into this album, the writing process was definitely a struggle because I didn't want to be thinking about all those things, but it's hard to not think about it when it's like, wow, anything I put out now, millions of people are going to see, um, and there's like, that's just is what it is. So it's like your brain automatically goes, oh my gosh, like, is this as good as this or whatever, even if you're trying not to. But thankfully I was able to, towards the end of the process, be like, look, this is just like, I think this is good. And so I need to just put it out the yeah. way I want to Take put it, it or out. leave it. Yeah. Uh, so, you, I mean, everything that you've done up until now has led to this moment, has led to this album, has led to this tour. You know, so like you were even... I mean, in between the last two albums, like I worked with you on a Christmas show, you know, and it's like you were exposed to this whole different audience there. Yeah. And I remember thinking at that show, like, okay, this is a this is a show with a lineup with artists like Sean Mendez. How is an artist like an NF gonna lay over for an audience like that, especially with the way your show is? You know, very like yeah. the production is heavy, you know, it's very intense, you know, content. And then you see twenty thousand people that might not have necessarily been uh, initial NF fans. You saw everybody rocking. So it's like now all of a sudden you're on this tour, uh, and again, as you're saying, everything is kind of risen to where it is now. But what I find most interesting is that <laughs> while you were doing that, you were kind of in a dark place, right? Like yeah, in between I mean, the interesting it, the interesting thing about what you just said to me is it's actually kind of funny to me like how people um like let you down, for example, when I play like radio shows or not even radio shows. Uh, when I did the logic tour which I love doing because there's so many people that didn't know me on the tour. A lot of my fans came out, but there was a lot of people that didn't know me. Sure. So it's so funny to me, like when I play Let You Down in an environment like that, or if I if I do a radio show somewhere where like a lot of people actually don't know anything but that song. Oh, and they're like, oh, this is that guy. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, that was a new experience for me as well because I... I hadn't experienced that. Most of my shows... Um, it's people who know every I word. Doing, yeah, I was doing clubs, and people knew who I was, and obviously it was way smaller. So that was interesting to me um, to, to experience that because there is... Um, I think sometimes people think just because you have a song on the radio that everyone knows who you are, and there's definitely a disconnect sometimes. I mean, I'm a lot, I am getting a lot of fans from that for sure, but I think you can also see sometimes just because you have a song blow up doesn't mean it's going to, you know, help you in other areas of your career. So I'm, I'm happy like what's happening with me and it's great that I'm able to come out and do shows and sell tickets, but it is a different world nowadays where it's like millions of people could listen to your song and love it. And then it can all be gone as well. And I, I think that sometimes that's a scary thing because just because Let You Down did well didn't mean that I would be able to sell 3,000 tickets here or 4,000 tickets there. You know what I mean? It's like a whole different world. And so I just, the past two years, I've just learned a lot about this business and, um, you know, learning a lot about myself. And like you said, yeah, the, the writing after perception came out, I definitely was in a really dark place. So coming into the writing process for the search was kind of difficult. Did the fame put you in that dark place? Well, here's the thing: like, I'm not even like that famous. Like, people, there's people way more famous than me, but I'd never experienced like 
any of that before. You know what I mean? Like I never experienced um, having so many people looking at the thing that I created, talking about the thing that I created and giving just, opinions. Yeah. And like the stress for me came where it was like, so I went from none of that. And then I, my first tour for perception um, sold out. And the every day I was doing this, I was doing radio interviews and I didn't know, um, I was nervous. I didn't really know anything about interviews. I didn't really like doing interviews. It's not like my favorite thing to do. Why? I just, on that tour specifically, it was extremely stressful because I was getting so much anxiety about the shows. Um, just how many people were at the shows. And then every day I was doing uh, radio interview and then after the interview I would do sound check and then after the sound check I would do meet and greets you know what I mean and then if if people were in town for that show from the label or whatever then I'd be meeting those people then I would do the show and I just became so exhausted from all of it because it's like I don't even like being around tons of people all the time as it is it's sure. not that I can't be around a bunch of people sometimes I can and I'm fine but I think I just felt like it was like Hey, when can you do this? When can you do that? When can you know what I mean? And I went from none of that, right, to every day experiencing that. And your art turned into a job. Yeah, it became I felt less passionate and my anxiety was starting to get so terrible um that I just could not enjoy shows and that still happens to me sometimes and so that was another thing um and then I was experiencing like I didn't know what OCD was at the time, and I was having some weird stuff going on with that, and so I was, like, getting extremely depressed. I mean, there's so much that, like, people don't know about, but, like, um, I talk about it a little on my record, but it's way deeper than that. And so, yeah, so coming off that tour, I literally, um, I, I had to go to, like, a therapy place for, like, four days and just, like, disconnect from the world and, like... Um, I ended up doing that, and then... But then that turns into part of the content in its own. Like, the record Nate, yeah. which is, I think, my favorite song off the search, because it's a concept song. You know, yeah, it's yeah. You, you talking to yourself, or you yeah. talking to a younger version of yourself, which I also, I don't know if you picked up on it, but it reminded me of the early days of DMX when he would, like, talk to himself on records. You know what I'm talking like, about? Uh, like With what? Damien. When he had Damien, who was was, that his younger? I know what song you're talking about. Was that his younger self, or that was like the devil? It was like a demon within himself. Yeah, yeah, got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, I remember that song. I don't remember if that was a younger him or a demon in himself or what it was. But no, yeah, I always loved. But that, but but that Nate record came from your time, kind of in therapy. No, it definitely did. There was like a, there was definitely some weird things that I did at this place, but they were like very, uh, you know, therapeutic for me um and that was one of them it was like basically sit sit in a room and it's kind of awkward but you're like there's two chairs and you just like sit across from the chair and you like pretend like if younger you was sitting there like what would you say really yeah and so when you go to do it you're kind of like this is the weirdest thing of all time yeah but then when you actually start doing it it's pretty emotional because your mind like goes to a place that it you never do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't sit at my house ever and go like, hey, younger me standing right there and I'm having a conversation. So it just kind of took my brain to a different place. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite songs as well. I think it's just very interesting. And I've always been the kind of person who is like, 
I'm not going to therapy. Like, I'm not going to sit in a room and talk to some dude I don't know about all my problems that are going on. And then this album, or Perception, and then that tour and everything, honestly, just pushed me to that breaking point. Um, So it's a good thing. It was a bad thing, but also a good thing, because I think there's a lot of things, uh, you know, pain and stuff that's buried inside. And it's like, it's great to write music about it, but sometimes it's like, it can be overwhelming um, especially in the biggest thing, not to drag out this part of your question, no, that's but cool. one of the biggest things I realized was, um, the most, the thing that made me the most depressed, and I talk about this on the interlude on the record, but the thing that made me the most depressed was I feel like I'd arrived at the thing that I dreamed about for my whole, like my whole life. I feel like I arrived there and, and nothing then, changed. Yeah. And when I got there, I was like, well, things changed, but they didn't make me happy they didn't give me joy. Like, they gave me a moment of happiness. Like, when it was like, oh, you sold this many records and, like, the tour sold out and all this stuff. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's awesome. And then it was like, now what? And it was like, I think I thought when I arrived there, I wouldn't feel that way. I wouldn't feel like, now what? Or whatever. Um, and so that was also extremely depressing because then I started feeling like, well, what? A, what's the point? Like, if this doesn't even make me happy and people wish they could do this and like would kill to have this job and I don't still don't even feel happy. Like what's the point? So it's just a downward spiral from there. So it was a very, I'm still learning a lot and that's why, you know, the new records called the search, but um, you know, that's just kind of some behind the scenes of that. I, I have a question that everything you spoke to kind of made me think about this. Because I can't help but feel like the person who probably has the toughest job around you is your significant other, your wife. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I can't help but wonder, like, how does that play out? Because your your work is very uh, self-centered around you and your image and w- what you are and how you feel in your content. Yeah. And your life is your work because yeah. you do it nonstop. And I know that she helps out behind the scenes, um, but how do you balance being a husband with so much of this that you're talking about? Where are those moments, you know, for each other? Do you check out of being NF and get to be just your wife's husband? I think I'm always myself. I don't think it's about checking out from being NF. I think it's more of like what you're saying is very true, I think. Um I am terrible at relationships. I've said that forever because I don't like compromising. I have my mind set on something and I'm like, this is what I have to do. I have to do this. I have to do whatever. Like I'm a workaholic for sure. And so it was a very rough year for both of us because like you said, she's the closest person to me. Like she knows what's happening, you know, inside of me. And we talk about you know, so many things. So it was like, it was very. So how do you rough. slow down and be there for her and kind of check all oh, of your terrib- stuff? I'm terrible at that because I'm so consumed. I'm still trying to learn how to be better at that because I'm so consumed. It's like, there's no other way to say it. I'm like pretty selfish because I'm so consumed with my own thoughts sometimes and like my own, like, I'm a defensive person. I'm always worried about well, who's going to hurt me? Or is this person trying to do this to take advantage of me? Or what's happening with this? And so one of my biggest struggles is figuring out how to, like, not operate that way. 
But also I feel like in this business, it's hard to not operate that way because people will take advantage of you and they will screw you over. Sure. They will try to get you to say say this or say that so they can use it for this or whatever, you yep. know? That's another reason I don't love doing interviews is because I'm so tired of just seeing, like... Everybody trying to play gotcha? Yeah, and everybody just tries to make a headline so they can get more clicks or this or that. And it's like, I know it's part of the business, but I it's just annoying for me. So I just... It, it, I know it's part of it. Yep. But for me, it just... It doesn't matter that it's part of it. It still is frustrating for me. So, um, I don't know, man. It's just... I'm learning a lot, like I said, and as far as being a husband, it's a struggle, but my wife's amazing, and she's very understanding, um, you know, and now I'm in a position where she can come out on the road with me more sure. um, and, you know, stay on a bus. I mean, she's always kind of come out the last few years, but now it's just nice because, you know, we have a bus where it's not, everybody's not on the same bus, and we yeah. have more, like, privacy for ourselves and stuff. Not a bunch of, like, dudes. Yeah, <laughs> it's jam packed on the bus. Yeah. So you're sober, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, how do you feel knowing that on the other end, or does it not make you feel knowing that some of your audience might be might be stoned listening and still identifying with the same things? Do you ever do you feel a pressure that you want to get through to them, or do you not feel that that's your priority or your responsibility? It's just who you are. Um, I don't feel. I think the way I grew up, I would have been more like, oh, my God, you smoke weed? How could you do that? You know what I mean? Just like growing up in church and stuff. Um, We clearly grew up in two different parts of Michigan. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, my background, dude, I was like, and I've said this in so many interviews, like, I was like the most judgmental person of all time. It's Mm -hmm. just like... um, Here's what you do wrong, and here's what you need to do, or God's... You know what I mean? Like... um, so I definitely understand why a lot of people are, like, put off by that. Um, but now, as I've grown up and become, like, more of an adult, I think everybody's entitled to feel that way. And I think I think human beings can abuse anything, um, whether it's weed or sugar social media. or whatever. Sugar, social yeah. media, whatever it is. I think human beings are really good at abusing anything. But I don't. I personally, just to get to your question, I don't feel... When I'm doing a show, I don't feel called to be like, hey, you need to stop smoking weed. It's like, <laughs> that's just not, I was like, do you're doing what you're doing. A lot of times people see shows where I stop the show when people are like wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of the time when I've stopped those shows, it's because there's like a fight breaking out and people can't see what I can see. But, you know, when you're playing like a 1500 cap club and there's like 400 people or whatever, 150 people circling around this incident that's happening. And there's a guy that's trashed and everybody's like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, One of the reasons why I love old school live albums is some of, some of the times, especially with those old rock bands, you can hear them stop because people are getting trampled on or yeah. whatever. And you hear the artist being the one to call for yeah. security. Well, cause sometimes you can't see what the artist can see. Yeah. Cause I'm standing on a stage and I can see there's a thousand people in front of me. Even if it's only 50 people, a security guy who's standing like eye level with everyone may not be able to see it. So um, and honestly, man, my anxiety sometimes gets so terrible when I see those things. I can't think. Um, and so sometimes I just have to stop the show because I'm like, my brain is like, I can't focus. 
You know now, I mean? when that happens, your show is you know very production heavy too. Is that does that mean like is there a call that you send to somebody back to cease all video and everything that's going on, or is it like does it cause for more? Um, I mean, I'm trying to avoid doing it as much now. I usually try to be more. I don't know if professional is the right word, but I try to go. Usually, I'll try to go and tell somebody, "Hey, there's this is going on. Can you like?" I think a fight's about to break out or whatever. Sure. And try to have someone handle it before I, like, stop the whole show and draw attention to it. Because there's so many videos online of me, like, freaking out. And part of that's because of how much anxiety I get and just, like, I was having a mental breakdown on the on my tour. So it's, yeah. like, also a struggle for me. Um, but I'm trying to be better about that. Some of the stuff I look back and I'm like, man, I could have handled it differently. But also sometimes I get so uncomfortable uh, one thing I've really learned about myself is if I feel embarrassed or uncomfortable, sometimes I'll, like, lash out in anger, um, which I didn't realize that about myself until, like, the last two years. Um, so it's easier to feel— Therapy hits you with that one? <laughs> yeah, it's easier to feel angry than feel embarrassed. So yeah, if you say something that makes me feel embarrassed, you know what I mean? Um it's it's just easier for me to not be like, hey man, you really hurt my feelings. It's easier for me to be like, you're an idiot. Yeah, you yeah. Know yeah. What I mean? You like, don't know what you're talking about. Why would about? you say that? You know. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that's always why I react. Sometimes I'm just a human being as well, and sometimes things people say make me upset. Um, but I have realized a lot of times I'll snap or overreact to something, and I'll come back, and I've just realized going to therapy and doing all that stuff. Like, there's always a root to why you react the way that you react. There's a root to that well, let's, reasoning. If we could talk about reactions here, because since the last time I spoke to you, something something happened, and I and I, I, would, I was like, man, I would love to know his perspective on this. So, like, if you're a kid that grew up in Green Bay watching Brett Favre your whole childhood, and you're like, man, I want to be a quarterback one day, and then you become Aaron Rodgers or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you become that next great quarterback, and you're on your way, and then all of a sudden – when that hero was asked about you, it's a line or it's a it's a it's a mention where it's like, wait a minute, that's how they feel about me. So I have to ask, going back a year ago to Eminem's Kamikaze album, there's a mention about you on this album. I assume that you've heard this, but I I have to ask you because there's a couple artists that he mentions a lot of artists on that album, as mm-hmm. we all know, and some of the artists that were mentioned there wore that mention as a badge of honor like m mentioned me i'm cool with this some of them took major offense to this um when you heard that line what was your perspective what was your first thought and knowing where you grew up knowing who you are what you do your influences Mm -hmm. that all of that behind what was your first thought um i mean first of all there's no way to prove exactly whether it was or wasn't. Sure. You know what I mean? I think Eminem's one of the most talented, clever writers of all time. So I guess there's no way to prove that. And I'm not going to... I wouldn't respond to something that I can't prove that didn't happen. Or I don't even know if I would ever respond to that, whether it was about me or not. You know what I right. mean? I've always, um, in every interview, I've always just talked about how... I think Eminem's one of the best writers and rappers of all times, of all time. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know how to feel about it exactly. Sure. I mean, I stand by what I've always said um, from the beginning. So. Okay, great. So, okay, so now we fast forward to where we are today. You're performing at the Met here in Philadelphia tonight. Um, I've seen now. I've, this will be the third time that I've I've seen your show, and each time has been a little bit different. So, same sort of themes, but the production value has changed. You keep upping it, and yeah. also I wanted to mention the production value on this album. Like I know your boy uh, is it Tommy? Yep. Um, and and your your production crew is very. Uh, like they come from sort of a movie score sort of background. Tommy, that- Tommy does. He's like that's one of the main thing he main things he does now. Yeah, because um, it sounds like a movie. Yeah, he does tons of TV and film, and so he's. We've always kind of since we started together had like that cinematic feeling, even from our first EP we did in 2014 um, to now. So yeah, we're we're very inspired by movies. Um, so what has I have to ask you? There's a lot more toys now because you guys are able to up your production yeah. budget, right? Yeah. So what has sort of changed? That what were like some of the new sort of uh, gadgets that you got to use, whether it's on the production side or maybe it's in the tour. Some of the new things that you've been able to bring to this album and this tour. Um, I've always invested pretty heavy in my shows, so it's just like. As far as, like, equipment, this tour, I was just able to bring a lot more lighting, you know, to make things look bigger. Every tour, the funny thing about making more money and your business growing uh, is you have to spend a lot more money. Yeah, invest in yourself. I think people, um, this is just business talk, but, like, that's just how it goes. Some people don't realize that, which is funny to me, but it's like, that's another thing I'm learning is, like, oh, things are getting bigger but that doesn't always necessarily mean, I mean, I'm definitely making more money, but at the same time, I'm having to spend a lot more money. So navigating that. But as far as like creative goes, um, Tommy has so many libraries, like sound libraries. Sure. um, Sometimes we'll just sit in there. He has like horror film libraries and we'll just take sounds and he's like, the most incredible piano player I've ever seen. And so um, he'll just go through and we'll just click through sounds and he'll start playing to things and we'll just try a bunch of different things. Like the search was inspired by um, the Jordan Peele movie trailer. Yeah. The, actually, the search song was already done pretty much. And we were like, well, we need to add something to it. Uh, and then we saw that and we were like, whoa. That's so dope. And so, like, we get inspired by movies and stuff all the time. You talking about the one where they sampled Luna's I Got Five on it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. When I saw that trailer, I was like... Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah. He's a genius, I think. Well, that's cool, man. Obviously, we look forward to every project um, that you're able to put out and... You know, I won't put pressure on you to be like, well, what's next? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're in the middle of doing it right now. But I do have to ask before I let you go, what do we do to disconnect, man? Like, I know that it, everything, all of this consumes your life. But, you know, like, will we ever catch you at the movie theater? Or like, <laughs> do you go to the grocery store? Do you get oh, ice cream? Bro. Of course, man. Yeah. So, like, do you do you get to like disconnect and sort of take yourself out of all of this? I mean, you head back up to middle of Michigan and just kind of be you. Yeah, I went um, 
This year I went up to Michigan and went fishing with my dad. There you go. That's very Michigan of you, too. Yeah, I love fishing. I barely ever go fishing now. So that was good. Um, I love going to the movies. What's the last movie you've seen? Um, I think it was the um, that shark movie. Uh, what? It's like a new one. Uh, oh, oh, oh! Like Meg- it wasn't for me. Meg- no, no, it was the one where like they're in a cave or something. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. I feel like you you would love this new Joker movie that's coming out, or like the. Oh, it I'm too. definitely gonna watch that. Yeah. One of my favorite movies of all. One of my favorite movies of all time is Inception. And the uh, Heath Ledger um, Batman movie. Of course. Best Joker um, of all oh time. Oh, my gosh. That's just, like, that's inspiring to me. Like, the whole, like, everything about that, his acting and just how he, like, carries himself in that movie, I think is one of the most incredible performances ever. Well, I could sit here and talk about the ins and outs of what makes you tick all day, but you have, like, stuff to do. So I'm going to let you go do your concert, but I appreciate you coming through Q102, man. Sweet, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Kick some ass tonight, and we'll be in there. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, buddy. Sweet.